eternity will sing to the glory of your name. Your name is Jesus. God is salvation. For all eternity will sing and yet you hold us now. And so we pray that we would start singing now, even here and now. And so Father, I'm going to talk, but I pray that we would hear you, we'd hear the song, and that we would preach, not me, we, that uh, Lord, as we speak and as we listen, it would all be part of that song. To your glory, Lord Jesus, and in your name we pray, amen. Well, for the uh, month of February, We've been talking about John chapter 4, and hopefully you've had a chance to read along in uh, Scripture and get to know the story well, but in case you haven't been um, a part of things or if you forgot from last week, in John chapter 4, Jesus and his disciples travel through a land in which they are not welcome. Uh, do, do you remember where that was? D Detroit? Cleveland? No. Uh, Samaria. They traveled through the land of the Samaritans. The Samaritans did not like Jews. And Jews absolutely hated Samaritans. They rejected Samaritans. The Samaritans, um, they said, were uh, outcasts, that they did not belong. You see, uh, Jews are descendants of Judah. Um, one of the sons of Israel, primarily the descendants of Judah. 
And they argue at this point, but the Samaritans claim primary descent from Joseph and the ten lost tribes. Well, Jesus meets a Samaritan woman at a well in John chapter 4, and you can still see that well uh, today. And 300 yards from that well is the traditional tomb of Joseph. In Genesis 37, we find that Joseph was placed in a well. In this very region, conceivably, that well could very well be this well. The word for well in Hebrew is also translated pit, cistern, or, or dungeon. When Joseph is imprisoned in Egypt, he refers to that dungeon as the same word, uh, an extension of that well. His older brother, his older brothers pl placed him in the well when he came bearing the word of the father. Actually, Judah came up with the idea to sell Joseph into Egypt. Slavery. He did not want Joseph in the, in the family picture. We, we talked about that last week. And so in John chapter 4, Jesus sits by this well and talks to an outcast Samaritan woman. He talks about thirst, and then promiscuity, and then worship. He finds her empty heart. It's like he sees into her. And he offers her living water that will rise up within her, turning her empty well of a heart in, into a fountain. She, she then runs and tells other Samaritans, uh, they, come, they come back to see Jesus, and Jesus points to the incredible harvest among the Samaritans as the Samaritans exclaim, this indeed is the Savior of the world. Next verse. After the two days that he stayed with them, he departed for Galilee. That is, he left Samaria and he, he went home. He grew up in Nazareth, uh, which was near Cana, and uh, later on he made his home in Capernaum. That's all part of, of Galilee, the territory of, the northern territory of, of the Jews. For, for Jesus himself, well, after two days he departed uh, for Galilee, for Jesus himself had testified that a prophet has no honor in his own hometown, his patris, his hometown or homeland. So when he came to Galilee, the Galileans welcomed him. <laughs> Do you understand that? What a weird little paragraph. Jesus goes to the place where he knows that he will be dishonored. And then, so, aun, it's a connective in Greek, therefore, he goes to the place where he knows he will be dishonored, therefore, they welcomed him. Some Bible scholars think like John was drunk or something when he wrote this, so it's some kind of mistake. Jesus goes to his own home because he will be dishonored, and so they welcome him. Bizarre. Can you think of a situation in which a, pers is, a person is, is welcomed and dishonored? You ever been to a used car lot? <laughs> Have you ever been welcomed by a, a salesman and then later felt totally dishonored by the same salesman? 
Have you ever been to the grocery store with a six-year-old? You know, and stood in, in the checkout line. Oh, daddy, 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 you're, you're the greatest daddy in the world. I love you so much. I just love you, daddy. Can I have gum? <laughs> As a young dad, I, I love to buy my kids stuff at the grocery store. Because, you know, for just a couple bucks, I could like totally rock their world. Yet I had to discipline myself not to buy them stuff. Because I knew they could become addicted to the stuff and lose sight of me. I knew I could spoil them. And a spoiled child is, is a miserable child. For he has all of his father's stuff and has lost the ability to see his father's heart. So he welcomes his father and he dishonors his father at, at the very same time. You know, God is an exceedingly, exceedingly wealthy father. I wonder if he ever feels welcomed and dishonored all at, the, all at the same time. If we saw him as he truly is, I bet Jesus is an exceedingly attractive bridegroom. I wonder if he ever feels welcomed and dishonored. I bet beauty queens sometimes feel welcomed and dishonored. Supermodels, strippers, prostitutes, welcomed yet dishonored. I, I bet this Samaritan gal was pretty good looking. She was on her sixth man. They had all welcomed her, and I doubt that any, then he had truly seen her heart and, and, and honored her, at least not until the seventh man, Jesus. Remember when Jesus came to his bride, Jerusalem, at his father's house, the temple? Palm Sunday. No one had ever, ever been so welcomed. Hosanna, Hosanna in the highest. No one had ever been so welcomed and yet so dishonored. By the end of the week, stripped naked, nailed to a tree, wearing everyone's shame. I wonder if that's how Joseph felt. Welcomed by his brothers, then stripped of his robe, and dishonored. Have you ever felt welcomed and yet thoroughly dishonored? That must be a horrible feeling. Next verse. So when he came to Galilee, the Galileans welcomed him, having seen all that he had done at the feast. John 2, 23, did many signs at the feast, for they too had gone to the feast. So he came again to Cana, in Galilee, where he had made the water into wine. That was an incredible sign. And at Capernaum, there was an official whose son was ill. When this man heard that Jesus had come from Judea to Galilee, he went to him and asked him to come down and heal his son, for he was at the point of death. This man is a baliskos, something like that in Greek. It means nobleman. Probably, he was an official in the court of King Herod. So, so do you see the, the contrast? Jesus goes from an outcast Samaritan woman in the far country to a royal official from his hometown in his own country. In Samaria, he isn't really welcomed. 
and yet he's thoroughly honored. They all cry out, he's the savior of the world, the world, not some of the world, the world. In Galilee, he's welcomed. Yet Jesus says he's dishonored. The official cries out, be the savior of my son, my son. Save him. And save him from the fever. You know, aspirin can save you from a fever. Did you know that? And, and did you know that you can get it, the cheap kind, for like two bucks down at Walgreens on, 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 on the rack there, uh, the generic brand? That's its value. That's what it's worth. And that's what honor means. Save my child from fever. Well, that's good. That's something. Save the world from condemnation and the pit. That's something. And a bit more. Verse 47. When this man, the nobleman, heard that Jesus had come from Judea to Galilee, he went to him and asked him to come down and heal his son, for he was at the point of death. So Jesus said to him, unless you, now you is plural in the Greek, so he says, he's talking to all of Galilee, unless you people, unless you people see signs and wonders, you, you won't believe. The official said to him, sir, come down before my child dies. Unless you people see signs and wonders, you won't believe. Jesus and John refer to miracles as, as signs. A sign is significant because it signifies something else, right? A sign points to something else or it's pointless as a sign. Jesus said an evil and adulterous generation seeks a sign. Adulterers seek, adulterers seek the, the sign of love, a man's power, a woman's beauty, seek a, the sign of love and, and miss love, hasad, covenant love, steadfast love. Adulterers welcome a person and dishonor that person's heart, like spoiled children welcome their father's gifts but no longer see his heart. You know, as a young father, sometimes at the grocery store, I, I would, I, I'd buy gum and Hot Wheels as a sign of love for my kids. And yet sometimes I didn't buy gum and Hot Wheels so that my kids wouldn't lose sight of me. I didn't buy gum and Hot Wheels so they wouldn't exchange faith in me for faith in gum and Hot Wheels. For check this out. If they lost sight of me, they could no longer read the sign that pointed to me. They could no longer read the sign or enjoy the sign. For all the signs say, you are loved by me, by me. So the signs meant, I love you. And even the absence of signs was a sign that meant, I love you. It all meant, I love you. All creation is a sign. You know what it means? I love you. Yet seeking signs, we lose the ability to read them. And so we seek a, a man's strength, for instance, or a woman's beauty and lose the ability to hear the word, I love you, from the heart. 
We seek gum and hot wheels and lose the ability to hear our Father's word. This, this gift means I love you. I love you. We seek signs and then lose the ability to read them. So is that what you think that we have? A mediocre life? Don't make this about you. <laughs> about me? How can I make this about me? It's about you. It's always about you. Perfect. Perfect. I'll have the worst day of my life with a side order of guilt, please. Okay, God. You want me to talk to you? Talk back. Tell me what's going on. What should I do? Give me a signal. Slurp, please send me a sign. Oh, what's this joker doing now? Okay. All right. I'll try it your way. All right. Lord, I need a miracle. I'm desperate. I need your help, Lord. Please. Reach into my life. Uh, what the? Are you? I got you. Hey. <laughs> well, that's Bruce, as you probably know, in the movie Bruce Almighty, and that was his girlfriend. Grace. Bruce uh, is in an adulterous relationship with grace. In other words, he's using grace. So he can't really see grace. His world is, is full of signs, but because he seeks them, he can't read them. And ironically, they all mean grace. He's trying to use God and so can't see the heart of God. The heart of God is grace. And check this out. The harvest of the earth is faith in grace. There are different ways of saying it. St. Paul writes, faith, hope, and love abide. They remain. They're eternal. Hebrews 11.1, 1, faith is the substance of things hoped for. Colossians 1.27, Christ in you, the hope of glory. John will teach us that love is God's glory and God is love. So you see, faith, hope, and love. Faith, hope, and love. That's worship. That's God's life in us. That's bread and wine, body broken, blood shed in us. Bread and wine in us and through us. And Revelation 14, that's the harvest of the earth. So at the well in Samaria, Jesus says, look, look, guys. The fields are white unto harvest. To the nobleman in his homeland, Jesus says, unless you all see signs and wonders, you won't believe. And he says it like it literally hurts him to say it. Well, the official said to him, sir, come down before my child dies. Jesus said to him, go, your son will live. The man believed the word that Jesus spoke to him and went on his way. He had he had some faith. 
As he was going down, his servants met him and told him that his son was recovering. So he asked them the hour when he began to get better, and they said to him, yesterday, at the seventh hour, see, it's a sign. At the seventh hour, the fever left him. The father knew that was the hour when Jesus had said to him, your son will live. And he himself believed in all his household. So he has his more faith. His faith is, is growing. This was now the second sign that Jesus did when he came from Judea to Galilee. So that's several signs in Judea and two signs in Galilee, but there's no mention of a great harvest. In fact, it seems as if they have trouble reading these signs. In chapter 6, uh, by his hometown, just, just two chapters from now, Jesus will feed thousands. He feeds thousands with five loaves and two fish. And he tells them, guys, this is a sign, a sign. And he tells them what it points to. He says it points to my body broken and my blood shed. And they leave. Most people leave. And he turns to Peter and he says, so Peter, you're going to leave too? See, the crowd loves the sign, bread and wine, but they hated the meaning, body broken and bloodshed. They welcomed the power of God, and yet they dishonored his substance, his heart, loved the sign, hated the substance. They hated the harvest and left the banquet, for they had no appetite for what was being served. Grace. But in Samaria, they, they're thirsty for grace and they're hungry to do God's will. And that is really, see, quite a contrast, especially when you realize John records no signs in Samaria, just a long history of rejection. And the word that comes to an outcast woman sitting by a well, commenting on, on these verses, D.A. Carson writes the following It's tragic despised Samaritans turned to Christ while the historic covenant community either actively oppose him or cannot progress beyond a fascination for miracles and politics. You know, the church now is the historic covenant community. And it seems we really have trouble progressing beyond a fascination with miracles and politics. And yet even Jesus' disciples had a hard time progressing beyond a fascination with miracles and politics. Remember, it was John, it was John who's writing this, that one day said to Jesus, he asked Jesus if he could call down fire upon a Samaritan town, an entire Samaritan town, and just burn them up like Armageddon or something, you know? Ironically, it was John that ultimately did call down fire. On an entire Samaritan town. <laughs> Acts chapter 8, he goes to Samaria and baptizes them with the Holy Spirit. That's fire, real fire. You see, after Jesus' death and resurrection, John could read the signs. He saw the logos. He saw the meaning it was John that received the revelation on the island of Patmos. And, you know, we tend to think the revelation is all about miracles and politics. And so I think we cannot read the sign. Revelation 1.1, John writes, the revelation of Jesus. That, that's the title of the book, probably. And not the revelation of politics in the 21st century and freaky weird miracles regarding bugs. 
the revelation of Jesus. It's about Jesus. Jesus is the meaning of all things, and Jesus is the meaning of all signs. We're surrounded by signs, but can't read them. We can only read them by faith. Now, I know what you might be thinking. Well, if I had a really great sign, then I'd have faith, right? And you can't even read a sign without faith. And check this out. Some signs, especially miraculous signs, may actually damage faith, real faith in grace. Matthew and Mark comment that when Jesus goes to his homeland, he could do, quote, no mighty work there, but he did heal a few sick people. Maybe healing fevers isn't really his mighty work. And so what is his mighty work? Well, it's faith. And faith in grace is salvation. And the harvest of the earth. And it's like too many signs or the wrong signs can damage that harvest. In John 20, verse 29, Jesus says to Thomas, after he's risen from the dead, he says, Thomas, have you believed because you've seen me? Blessed are those who haven't seen and yet believe. Blessed. Why? Well, maybe it's because they are a rich harvest of faith, hope, and love. You know, faith grows where we don't understand Hope grows in dark places where we do not see. In this hope we are saved, writes Paul. Who hopes for what, he's, what he sees? So you see, seeing signs can damage a bumper crop of faith, hope, and love. Faith, hope, in love. Jesus said these people won't believe without a sign. And yet these people can't truly believe with too many signs or the wrong sign. You people won't believe without a sign. They need some sign. But Jesus also said this, an evil and adulterous generation seeks a sign, yet no sign shall be given it. Well, Jesus performed all kinds of signs in front of this generation. I guess they were unable to read them because they lacked faith. An evil and adulterous generation seeks a sign, yet no sign shall be given it except the sign of Jonah. What's the sign of Jonah? A guy who just spent three days and three nights in the belly of the beast, also called the pit, who now preaches to his former enemies. In the same way, says Jesus, Matthew 12, the Son of Man will spend three days and three nights in the heart of the earth, the pit. And get this, he's the word we preach, the word of faith. And faith is the substance of things hoped for. Do you get that? The substance, not the sign, the substance. Well, Joseph was thrown into a pit. And you know the story. You can, you can read the story. Up until that point that he's thrown into the pit, I mean, I don't know, he, he seems kind of spoiled, right? 
Well, the brothers intended it for evil, but God intended it for good. They stripped him of his robe, the sign of his father's love, and placed him in a pit near Sychar. And then Egypt, a pit. Genesis 39, 21. But the Lord was with Joseph and showed him steadfast love. Chesed. Not signs of love. The very presence of love in the pit. See, I think the Lord had always been with Joseph. He just could not truly see him until he went to the pit. And when he rose from the pit, which took some time, when he rose from the pit, he knew God's love, had mercy on all Israel, and so saved his enemies, which were his brothers. That's Chesed in Joseph, in John 4. One of his descendants sits by a well, a pit. Could very well be the very same well. She is one of the lost sheep of the house of Israel, a descendant of the lost brother Joseph. And now the incarnation of Hesed, covenant love, comes and sits next to her. He sees her heart. And then she sees him, God's heart. They both have been so welcomed and so dishonored. And he came to her well. Or perhaps she came to his well. Well, she sees him, believes the word. Then out of that well, her well, that place of deepest thirst begins to bubble up living water. In a short time, Samaritans are streaming out of town to meet Jesus at the well. He lifts his eyes and says, look, the fields are white under harvest. <laughs> and as far as we know, in Samaria, he did not do one sign. I say this because I expect that some of you are concerned that you've never seen what you would call a sign. You're concerned that you've prayed and you've never heard uh, God's word coming back to you as words in, in your head. You're concerned that you're confused, don't understand. Your heart feels like a dry well, that you feel like an outcast, that you feel like a, a failure with a string of broken relationships, one for every day of the week except, except Sunday, a string of broken relationships, and now you're thirsty for right relationships, for, for righteousness. You're thirsty with faith, hope, and love. You're thirsty. Otherwise, you wouldn't be sitting here. Listening. See, faith grows in confusion. Hope grows in the darkness where you can't see. Love grows when it bleeds. And get this, faith, hope, and love are not signs of his presence. They are his presence, growing in you, bubbling up in you. 
And when you worship him from your well, not because he works for you or because of what he will give you or because of gifts and miracles and signs, but, but because of who he is, well, you give God the gift that he desires. You may not welcome this place. In fact, if you welcome this place, it's not the pit. <laughs> you may not welcome this place, and yet in this place you honor your Father in heaven. You are the harvest of this earth, and you are exactly what he wants. The image of Jesus. Suffering is not a sign of disfavor. Suffering is always an invitation to meet Jesus and sing praises with him to his Father from the pit. The pit is temporal, but the song you learn there is eternal. There are certain songs that you can only learn in the pit. The pit is temporal, but faith, hope, and love, which grow in that place, remain. In Samaria, at the well, there is a great harvest. In Capernaum, like Jerusalem, among the religious Jews, they seek signs. You know, I think most religion is seeking signs. Nice houses, nice kids, smooth sailing, happy feelings, some miracles. And we get signs in Capernaum. But we can't read them. But you know, God loves Capernaum. He really does. And you know that he loves Jerusalem. He loves Jerusalem too. So in Matthew eleven twenty three, Jesus says this, And you, Capernaum, will you be exalted to heaven? You will be brought down to Hades, the pit. For if the mighty works done in you had been done in Sodom, it would have remained until this day. Mighty works, signs. We, we, we read about them, but, but I guess they... They could not, not read them. Signs, but they could not read them. But, but maybe in the pit, like Joseph and the Samaritans, they can. Like all the prophets, Jesus prophesied the destruction of Jerusalem. In one generation, not one stone left on top of another. Isaiah prophesied, listen to this, therefore Sheol, the pit, has enlarged its appetite and opened its mouth beyond measure, and the nobility of Jerusalem and its multitude go down. Oh, dang. But in verse 29 of Psalm 22, the song which Jesus begins to sing on the cross. Remember, it begins this way. My God, my God, why have you forsaken me? In verse 29 of that song, um, we read this. Before him, the one who's singing the song, before him shall bow all who go down to the dust. Bow down. I guess in that place, the belly of the earth, they can read the sign the sign of Jonah. They can see it there. And yet, oh gosh, listen closely. It is far, 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 far better to see it here and now. So praise God for your sufferings here and now. Even poor Jerusalem is destroyed. Even before it was destroyed, it had become a pit. And Jerusalem 
is us. On Palm Sunday, Jesus goes to Jerusalem because we will welcome him and dishonor him for we seek signs and we miss God's heart. Yet in that place, he will reveal God's heart, the meaning of all things, which is himself grace. Because we seek signs and don't see grace, we will take grace, abuse grace, and nail him to the ancient tree. And this is the sign of Jonah. Christ crucified. The mighty work is that he laid down his might and let us kill him. The mighty work is the faithful love of God for us. The mighty work is that he come to our well and bear our shame. The mighty work is body broken and bloodshed descended into the pit of your heart. Jews demand signs and Greeks seek wisdom, but we preach Christ crucified. The sign of Jonah. In Bruce Almighty, Bruce demands signs. So God gives Bruce his might. And he lets him play God. Bruce obtains all the signs he wants, yet Bruce doesn't know what anything means. Gains the world and forfeits his life. He uses and abuses grace. And then he truly sees grace. Broken. Bleeding. For him. That is, he sees the sign of Jonah. It judges him and sends him to the pit where he sees the light. Please, God. Please. I still love him. But I don't want to love him anymore. I don't want to hurt anymore. Please help me forget. Help me let him go. down in the middle of a highway and live to talk about it, son. <laughs> and so he sees the light and he hears the word of God. He meets him in the pit of his despair. God reveals grace there and teaches Bruce to love. And then he raises Bruce from that pit with a, with a blood transfusion. Instead of abusing grace, 
Bruce enters into a covenant of grace, marriage. Because he received blood, he now wants to give blood, and his world is full of signs, full of signs, and now he can read them. They all mean grace. And God is grace. That was really great. Now you still have to go over there. The nurse is waiting. Do I have to? Oh, it's not going to hurt. In fact, I think you'll find it quite pleasurable. So he took bread and he broke it, saying, this is my body given to you. Take and eat and do it in remembrance of me. And in the same way, after supper and having given thanks, he took the cup and he said, this is the new covenant, in the new covenant, the eternal covenant. Some Bible also says that. In my blood poured out for the forgiveness of sins. Drink of it, all of you, and do it in remembrance of me. And that day, there were no signs. And yet this is the sign. This is the mighty work. Do you see it? Do you hear it? You know, there are words that you can only hear in certain places. There are songs that you can only learn when you're thirsty. In fact, I'm going to have Justin come up in just a minute and and play a song. And this may be kind of silly to you, especially if you're noble, a nobleman. But I doubt it'll seem silly if you've spent some time in the pit. Seven years ago, I was not in the pit. In fact, I was going on my dream vacation. We cashed in our frequent flyer miles and rented this little cottage on on the island of St. Bart's. I'm a Led Zeppelin, Leonard Skinner kind of guy. But Susan read in one of her women's magazines that Chardet was just great for romance, and I'm, I'm all over that. So... We listened to this uh, particular song, this song Justin's going to play over and over and over and over again in our cottage by the beach, and and I loved it, but I never heard the words. Seven years of feasting before that, seven years of fasting since that, my father died, my kids went through some crises that just really ripped my, my heart apart, then Then my denomination, my church, career, relationships just blew up in my face. A while ago, I was really struggling with with depression. And and so I grabbed that old CD, you know, to listen again in my truck, my empty well. I popped it in, and for the first time, I heard the words. 
Jesus had been singing to me all along, but it wasn't until I sat in the pit that I could hear the words. <laughs> so thank God for the pit. Because hearing the word is absolutely everything. You in the pit? You been in the pit? What I want you to do is just close your eyes and, and listen. Don't move. Let this be your first song of worship. Just, just listen. And so Justin and the, the band are going to come up and uh, they're going to play the song. But I want you to sit by your well. You know your well. Maybe you're in it. Maybe you were in it, in which case you can go back and sit beside it. I want you to sit there and, and listen. If only you could see into me. You think I'd leave your side? You know me better than that. You think I'd leave you down when you're down on your knees? I wouldn't do that. When you're lost, when you're alone, when you can't get back again, I'll find you. I'll bring you home. I want you to close your eyes right now and sit by your well. You, you, you'll hear Justin's voice, but just listen for Jesus. What I'm asking you to imagine, close your eyes and imagine, what I'm asking you to imagine is not a fiction, but the truth. You are the lost brother. You are the bride of Christ who doesn't know it. And now you're sitting on the side of a well and a man sits next to you. Just listen.
show you that you're so much better than you know. When you're lost and you're alone, you can't get back again. I will find you, darling, and I'll bring you home. And if you want to cry, I am here to dry your eyes. And in no time. calling you to come drink, to come eat, tear off a piece of the bread, dip it in the cups. The dark cup is wine, the light cup is juice. They're both his love poured out, poured out for you. And this is good news. This pit will pass away. But the song you learn here will remain. It's eternal. 
Amen. You see, heaven is unlimited Hot Wheels and gum and streets of gold. Unlimited Father's blessings, but you won't be singing about that. You'll be singing about his heart. For Jesus came to you in this dark place and he held you and he revealed his Father's heart. All glory to his name and his name is God is salvation. He hurts for you. He aches for you. He feels everything that you feel and more. He is mercy. Learn the song in Jesus' name that you might sing it for all eternity as the angels watch and wonder. In Jesus' name, believe the gospel. Amen.